Hello and welcome to the first in a series of video podcasts entitled Building Confidence in Enterprise Security. My name is Samir Kapoorian and joining me as resident expert on this show is Andre Gol. Hey, thanks Samir. Pleasure to be here. We're very happy to have you. Andre serves as the head of IT risk management for ING US Financial Services. Prior to that, Andre was the champion of IT risk and security at Continental Airlines. He's also an author of several publications, including a book which he co-authored titled Network Assessments from Vulnerability to Patch. Over the next few months, this video podcast series that we're putting together will be taking a case study approach. Part of the logic in, in applying a case study model is to really get the input from the collective audience and garner your experiences, the questions you have, as well as the insights you might bring to the variety of topics that we're going to cover. Uh, in addition to Andre, we're going to have a variety of guests join us, providing their life experiences and how they've either identified, built, or managed security programs in the industry. We look forward to getting your input by way of the blog we've put together, as well as the surveys that we'll be circulating over the course of the upcoming months. I wanted to uh, start by asking you a question, Andre, regarding the security drivers and, um, and challenges within the financial services industry. I mean, a lot of us know about the Graham-Leach-Bliley Act. Right. We know about the non-public information protection and privacy trends sure. and, and, and things of that effect. But from your perspective, what are the fundamental challenges and drivers that you see in the financial services industry? Thanks, Samir. Having spent the last 11 years within the airline industry, I was a little concerned as it relates to running a risk management program within financial services because I wasn't cognizant of those challenges and drivers that you mentioned. So there are a couple drivers, you know, Samir, some that are unique to financial services firms, two others that I think that are common across industry. Uh, the first one that I believe that's common across industry is this notion of personalization, our consumerism type of technologies, where people are now bringing in things like you know, their iPods and their iPhones and connecting them to corporate networks. I think in the past, we haven't done a good job in planning for that you know, within businesses, specifically in how we accommodate that within our risk management practices. So that, that would be something that, in essence, um, broadens the attack surface area and the potential of risk broadens to your people. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think the other thing that extends that and specifically the attack surface is this notion of what I'm calling uh, information containment, so the second risk. Mm -hmm. And what do I mean by that? So with information containment, a lot of companies are focused on you know data leakage now, you know, and so having information that should reside within your corporation now actually going out there to the internet via peer-to-peer -peer networks, via emails and things like that. Okay, so from, from a life cycle perspective, what, what I'm getting away as a key element that, that people need to consider is the creation of information, the transfer of information, Absolutely. the viewing, sure. the storage, and the destruction. Each of those aspects has, has a critical element, as you mentioned, Absolutely. to consider. Absolutely, and that is certainly a driver that we all face within, uh, within industry. Uh, the third element, but specifically focused towards you know, ING as a whole, is this notion of growth and managing a risk management practice uh, at a time in which your organization is growing. Our CEO, Michelle Tamont, as well as Tom McInerney, has, have made it very clear that we are shifting gears and we are now going out and we're going to grow. So looking for those mergers and acquisition opportunities. And so how do you manage uh, the variability of risk in that sort of time frame? So within that, that growth, and you mentioned mergers and acquisitions, you know, it, it's commonplace for people to do something called due diligence you know, on a financial or, or, or a functionality perspective sure. against a target company. Right. But from an IT risk management perspective, do you find companies are, are now 
proactive in assessing the risks they might be absorbing of these target companies? Well, I think, you know, companies, you know, specifically probably going back about three years ago, we've taken a more proactive approach as it relates to assessing companies that we're doing business with. So third parties that we're engaging with for things like payroll, HR, other type of benefits. We've begun to as assess those, and I think it's only prudent that organizations actually extend that process uh, when they're looking at, you know, growing via mergers and acquisitions. So the fourth driver, the fourth challenge within financial services would be specifically cost containment. You know, within the airline industry, you know, a customer would always give you a dollar and you'd whether, wonder whether or not you could like hold on to maybe a nickel or a penny of that. Within financial services, a customer gives you a dollar and then you turn that dollar maybe into a dollar five. Well, over the past couple of years, you know, what we've seen is that the yields on financial instruments are going down and the margins you know, are, are, are thinning out as well. And so what we're trying to figure out now as well is how do you cut some of those operational costs out as it relates to turning that dollar into maybe a dollar five? And then how do you do that under the auspices of running a risk management practice as well? So, I mean, that, that last point is actually very interesting because what you're talking about is, is the convergence of business and IT risk management. And it sounds like it's a new area that's that's developing within the within the security realm, which is how do I talk in business language and understand the business implications of security or IT risk management? Sure. And, and is it fair to say that business is starting to evaluate return on investment, return on net asset, based on that that view? You are. Right. I think that's that's an accurate statement. I think that as an industry, I think we're still a little immature as it relates to really quantifying that as it relates to a return on net assets or return on income, right? But I think that in becoming better aligned with the business, that's exactly what the business is starting to expect. Interesting. Switching gears for a second, let, let, me, let me bring up a new topic, uh, the semantic security blueprint. This was something that we put together over the last few years to serve as the Rosetta Stone um, and help organizations navigate through the, the myriad of, of security standards out there. You know, everything from ISO to FRAP sure. to COSO to COBIT to Octave. There, there are, there's an alphabet soup of standards out there. And, and, yeah, and, and, and based on that, what we came up with was what are the core elements that in any organization looking to build a security program, enhance their security program, understand what the current level of capabilities and maturity uh, are within their organization, sure. could turn to to evaluate where they are currently. Mm -hmm. So the, the seven core areas that, that we, we looked at um, and, and found to be most salient across all, all standards was security strategy, mm -hmm. security organization, sure. operational security, right. business continuity, network and system security, um, application security, and data security. Now, within these, these core areas, there, there's another element to consider, right? And, and, and one of those elements is there's a strategic level and that's when you're looking at the organization and when you're looking at, at the overall strategy for, for security governance with it within, within a company. Right. Then, then you have an operational level, which is the process, protocol, policy side of things sure. that would be operational security, business continuity. And then uh, from, a, from the last perspective, you've got a tactical or a technology viewpoint. And this is where sure. application security, data security, <coughs> network and system security come into play. So, so the question I had is, is based on this backdrop of, of seven core areas, you know, from that strategic level to the operations to the tactical level. Right. I'm curious to, uh, to hear how you see these areas interconnect and relate within, uh, within a program. I think those seven key areas that you mentioned, Samir, fall into three categories, strategic, operational, and tactical. 
The security blueprint does a great job in looking at those foundational components that make up a risk management practice and grouping those according to those three categories that I just mentioned. At ING, we're focusing on those key elements that are highlighted within semantic security blueprint that fall within that strategic category because those are the elements that we believe as part of our risk management practice that are really going to enable the business and really drive value within the business. Interesting. So, so when you're looking at it from from tangible business value, sure. how how do you how do you translate that into optimization of these programs? Because many of these programs can be siloed within an organization. When I'll give you an example, when when we often look at IT risk management programs, you have compliance, you have security, you have availability, and sure. you have performance. And many organizations have those functions siloed. In order to get optimization by, by linking them together, how do you approach it? Or how would you recommend an organization approaches it? And we're no different, Samir. I mean, we have some of those elements that are part of my span of control, and some of those elements reside in what we call shared services and other elements within infrastructure. I think the key thing here is that as we engage those various constituents, in my particular case, shared services, as well as infrastructure, we need to talk you know, in their respective terms. So I need mm -hmm. to talk about availability as relates to enhancing application performance, right? I need to talk about business continuance or business resilience as it relates to ensuring application readiness. I think the key thing to remember here, Samir, is the fact that from an information risk perspective, we don't own anything, right? We're not like infrastructure that's laying out cable and switches and routers. We're not like the application development team that are actually building code and systems to deliver products and services. We are very dependent upon the cross-functional relationships that we have within our respective organization. So as we engage these various parties that are going to help deliver our risk management practice, we have to be able to communicate risk in a form that they understand, that they can consume, and that they can most importantly digest. That serves as an excellent backdrop for, for my next question here. Could, could you share a little bit about your general methodology in an approach in technology risk management? Sure, sure. You know, I've heard John Thompson say numerous times that he's just a, a country boy from Mississippi. I think Mississippi, I believe. And fundamentally, I'm just a, a country boy from Tennessee. So as, as country folk, you know, we believe in the simpler things in life, right? And so my philosophy as it relates to risk management is doing things that make common sense. It's something that I call common sense risk management 101. So what does that mean? To give an example, when you leave your home each morning, you naturally you know, turn the alarm on and lock the door. When you go to work and when you get out of the parking lot, once again, you lock the door. Subconsciously, it's just ingrained within you, right? You've learned to do that. Subsequently, while you're at work, you know, we should do common things as well, right? You know, given the number of laptop breaches out there, it only makes sense that we encrypt laptops these days. So my approach to risk management are doing those things that make common sense, not necessarily predicated on any of the frameworks that are out there. I think in doing that, there are four key things that I like to focus on. First is ensuring that we have a program that's built upon adding value. Second thing is we have a program that's predicated on helping the firm meet its respective business goals and objectives. We mentioned common sense third earlier, but I like to you know, also mention practicality. And fourth is the program has to be strategic. A lot of times from a risk management perspective, we do things that are very transactional, things that are very tactical. I like to form a program that is strategic and is looking at some of the challenges that the business is going to face based upon its, certain, its given agenda and really laying a program out that helps the business mitigate future risk. Excellent. So, so I mean, for our audience out there, there, there are several different 
times in a life cycle of an IT risk management program, right? Sure. Um, many of many companies out there are in the are in the process of change, right? And they might they might not have an established organization, um, and and it's sort of like changing tires on a moving car. Sure. How do you what what's some counselor or or at least you know share a few bullets based on your experience on what you'd advise an organization that's looking to move from the siloed or tactical approach into something more proactive as you described it, including these four elements that you just mentioned. Well, that's that's great because at ING we're also, you know, in shifting gears, we're like, you know, that analogy that you mentioned earlier, changing tires on this on this moving bus. I think the first and the, the key thing here is to actually be in alignment with their business. Understand what's the firm's 12 to 18 month goals, right? because there's a lot of things that we can do within the risk management practice that we think are actually enabling the business or that are potentially mitigating future business risks. For an example, I can go and I can divert capital to encrypt all my desktops, right? But if the firm is out there looking at M&A opportunities, should I maybe be more focused on looking at information leakage and how to protect the content associated with some of these M&A opportunities. And so that's the first thing is being engaged and being aligned with what your business goals and objectives are. The second thing that I'd you know, recommend to people is to understand your culture. You know, a lot of times we go out there and we take security best practices and they're not really applicable or it's very hard to uh, consume those from an organizational perspective because our culture just can't withstand that. Our culture just can't digest that. And so as I look at, you know, our respective program, I take common sense in mind, I take culture in mind, and I take business alignment and business respective goals and objectives in mind. Interesting. So so with that, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's various stories you could share with us around mistakes that have been made along the way sure. and how you've course corrected in, in your past experience while developing this, this sort of program. Are, are there some common mistakes that you've seen either other organizations make or, or some of the colleagues that you've counseled make that could be avoided for those that are trying to move into this new IT risk management program and or bolster their overall security program? Sure, we talk about IT risk management, but I think the first and probably the most important key thing is to lead the IT at home, at least lead the IT tech talk at home, because the business doesn't understand that. And traditionally, we haven't done a good job in translating that, right? The second thing is, you know, in alignment with IT, don't think in terms of technology. Think in terms of the business challenges that you have and how you might use people, process, or technology to meet those respective challenges. And third, be practical. Understand that your people, your business constituents, are your first and last line of defense. You can't teach them what SOX means. You can't teach them what GLIBA means. But maybe, if you're practical, you can't teach them common things about risk management. Oh, that, that's a very valuable statement there. In essence, you turn the overall organization into part of the security or IT risk management team and, and leverage a force multiplier approach to Absolutely. bolster your overall program. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you for sharing your insights, Andre. They've been very valuable. My pleasure, Samir. Um, one of the key elements that I took away from what you shared with us is the importance of strategy within any IT risk management program or security program. Absolutely. It's a must. Well, that actually sets us up for the, for the next video podcast series that's going to be focused on getting started with your own strategic security blueprint. I invite you to participate with the online survey and blog that we have hosted here on the Symantec Technology Network. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the session valuable and we look forward to receiving your input and joining us next month for the next video podcast on the Symantec Technology Network.